Wow, this is an exciting one. Uh, in this episode in the State Shifters podcast, uh, I've got someone who I met uh, in a really interesting way. Uh, I, I kind of went up to uh, five hours north of Ontario in a place called Nipissing. Well, it was near Nipissing, um, not directly in it. Uh, I was there on just a little getaway with my girlfriend and a friend uh, about a month ago now. And uh, my girlfriend booked this place through Airbnb and I kind of showed up not really knowing what to expect. It was basically just a cabin in the woods, uh, it said off grid on the title. And yeah, I kind of didn't really know what to expect when you see off grid, fully self-sufficient, literally in the middle of nowhere. Um, so we showed up at this Airbnb and we were welcomed by a, a gentleman named Steve. Uh, and my first impression of Steve, he kind of reminded me sort of like Bear grills and just super kind and genuine. And he showed us into his um, cabin that he had built himself uh, from the ground up uh, all by himself. And I was amazed by how well put together this place was for someone who, who, who did it all himself. Uh, and there was no electricity. So he'd constructed it. There was solar-powered um, solar powered freezer there. But apart from that, there was no electricity. It was all self-contained off the grid and I was just blown away because it was so peaceful out there it was great to get away from the city and the noise and when I walked into to the cabin and, and put my bags down I looked up and underneath the staircase there was a bookshelf and on the bookshelf there was there was quite a few books that I'd been recommended to read by a few people um, books on like um, the God Code by Greg Braden and, and all these kind of books that were very much on my radar and I instantly knew that this was a synchronistic sign that the universe or whatever you choose to call higher power was bringing this gentleman we had attracted this person into our life uh, and before Steve went back to his he, he actually stayed at the top of the property in an RV and then the cabin at the back was where the Airbnb guest stayed which is where we were staying so before he went off to the to the top of the property back where he was going to stay. Amanda's friend and shout out to him. So, Hey Steve, if you ever want to come down and have a chat later on, um, would like, would love you to join us. And he, he kind of obliged and said, yeah, I feel like you, we, we would get along really well. Uh, and then couple of long stories short, we ended up, ended up having conversations with Steve up until two, 3am by the fire. We were chatting and chatting about all kinds of things. And I just, I was just blown about blown away by some of the, uh, similarities between me and Steve and what we were kind of researching and, and passionate about and I was captivated by Steve's story and, and, and how he built this whole property by himself and chose to leave the city life behind and, and he now lives out there pretty much full time uh, without any bank account, without any uh, phone or internet uh, and this I had to bring onto the podcast and actually returned back up to Nipissing about two or three weeks later with, with a couple more friends and sat down and, and I want I really wanted to do an interview with Steve. So uh, I'm super happy to share it this one because he's such a great, great guy and so much we can learn from him. And yeah, enjoy the, enjoy the episode, enjoy the interview. Welcome to the State Shifters Podcast a show dedicated to helping you discover your true potential through connecting the mind, body, and soul. What did you have for breakfast this morning, Steve? 
Cooper. Steve Clements, welcome to the State Shippers podcast. Mate, it's an absolute pleasure to have you with me. We only met here three weeks ago uh, when my girlfriend booked an Airbnb. I wasn't sure what to expect when I came out here. Um, it's totally, it's off grid. It's about four hours away from Toronto. Correct. And when I got here and I, when I met you straight away, um, I had a, a first impression that I knew. I knew I've met, I met a special man here. And you took took us down to your cabin, which was about uh, was about hundred hundred meters away from your from your RV setup, and it's where your Airbnb guests stay. And when I arrived at this cabin, uh, I was absolutely blown away, uh, not by how how amazingly comfortable it felt, it was because you've built built it yourself, handmade. So Steve, can you explain to to us uh, how you came about the plan of building a cabin in the woods uh, off grid with no electricity? Sure. Yeah, no. And, and again, thanks. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Um, I am really far removed and I don't get an opportunity to talk to smart people. And, and again, likewise, when I met you, I really, really appreciate it. I listened to the words that you said, and I think that they have a lot of meaning. So anyhow, you, my story goes that basically uh, my son was born. I was a capitalist um, in a previous life. I enjoyed investing. I owned um, multiple businesses. I loved I loved the the hustle and bustle, and I liked the idea of of cash flow and balance sheets and the whole idea of accumulating things. Um, my son was born, and basically uh, overnight, I had uh, sort of been gobsmacked or uh, a paradigm shift, really, or an awakening. Some people call again it awakening. An, a, yeah. an awakening. It's just something where I realized now, and I don't know if it was a, a protectionist type instinct that set in. But it was definitely something that I changed um, rapidly. And I felt that the environment now that I'm raising my child in, I now started to see sort of all of the, uh, the pitfalls and some of the, uh, the things that made me concerned about bringing him into this world. And that's where I started to become extremely overwhelmed. Um, started with food food source first and then as you start researching our food source it starts to open doors to a whole multitude of other uh, problems that I found mm -hmm. going into the corporations um, how the corporations control all of our um, supply system and that's where I felt now um, a cognitive dissonance where I was profiting or making money off of um, these corporations that mismanage and basically are, in my opinion, raping the world. Mm -hmm. And no father in their right mind can continue to invest in or make a living off of fucking up mm -hmm. their child's future and their grandchild's future. So... I decided that uh, it was time to make a change, and I've been definitely interested in uh, gardening and farming for a long time. My grandmother raised me, and I, I just love plants. I love growing things, and I wanted to have a large property that was in a safe spot. I wanted to have clean water, a good supply of wood. I like building, and I found a location that was, like you said, about four hours away from the Toronto Center. And I started building. I dug a well, and 
I started building and I just wanted to build something small because I didn't want to, again, exceed my, my carbon footprint, but I did want to do it with my hands as well because I wanted to have intention in my space. And I think that people miss that too. Like it's a big thing where the pride and joy you can get from actually building your own house or abode. And there's all different kinds of, of techniques out there where people who think they're not qualified, believe me, you're more than qualified. If a bird can make a nest, a human being can make a house. I like that. So anyhow, I uh, made made my, my little micro cabin. I put it off grid and I have a system that just basically gives me exactly what I need, no more. And I have a life that some people find difficult, but... I like to carry water and I like to chop wood. So for me, it's fitting. You can sit and have a coffee on the front porch and you can just watch nature. So that's basically the story. Yeah, mate, it definitely inspired me and captivated me when I first heard it. And I want to go back to after Nate, your your son was born. Uh, that Was there a build up to you then taking taking that big leap? Because we spoke about the leap of faith and people who listen to this our podcast know about my leap of faith, which was moving out here to Canada, leaving my corporate job. I think your leap of faith is is I think it's it's big because you've actually had to leave an, a very normal life and come out and live a, honestly the complete opposite of how norm, normal most people live. Run me through that process because I think that's a, that's one thing people struggle with is is the action. Like you can talk about it, but then to take the action and actually do it. Uh, I want to. I want to know what was that like. Was it something that was just you just dive straight in, or you prepared for this? You, you. I know you bought twelve thousand dollars worth of books. Uh, explain, explain that process to people. Your leap of faith. As I was uh, running through the process again after my son was born and realizing that there was a lot of different uh, areas to look at i had to uh, you know I, I can't i can't eat the elephant all at once i have to take one bite so systematically working through it obviously the uh, purchasing of the books came from as i was liquidating my investments i wanted to use my profits for good use so that's where we can call that my university education i'm sorry mom and dad i didn't actually go to university but i'm really really trying to educate myself like i did so um, that's, um, one of the steps. And then it was basically the realization that, uh, as I was preparing, I liked, I subscribed to, um, off grid magazines, mother earth news and being in a cognitive dissonance at the time, knowing that I'm not in the right life right now, wanting to move to a more natural life. And I'm educating myself by, by getting these magazines and researching on the internet. I was really excited when my magazine came, but I was really disappointed when I finished reading the magazine, like I was almost in a, in a depressed state. And I thought about it after a while, and I realized it's because I'm reading about people who are doing all the things that I know that I should be doing, which again, I'll also add to I'm that guy who knows that when you're on your deathbed and you look back, you're going to regret the things 
that you didn't do more than the things that you did do. Mm. And I didn't want to be one of those shoulda, woulda, couldas. So um, it was that realization that I, I, I wasn't taking that action step. And for the people out there, that was probably the most um, scary thing ever. It was that action step of not only can it can I do it? Is this possible? But also, what is the perception? How am I going to be perceived by those around me, friends, family? And like it, it, it seems like an, an insane endeavor. Like to say to somebody, "Yeah, I'm living, living, we're moving out into the middle of the bush, <laughs> and I'm going to have no, no power, no running water." They look at you like you're crazy. And that's the, again, trying to defend a position or try to get people to realize that it's not really that insane. I mean, only 100 years ago, people had very subsistent amenities. It was just within the last 80 years that we went through this massive technological boom. We went from an agrarian society to a super high-tech society. And people are really fucking trying to keep up with it. It goes very fast. And that in itself creates a lot of stress that people don't realize. Yeah, man, I guess uh, it comes to mind straight away. The, the, one of the things that I was so interested in the first time I met you, this is actually the second time I've stayed at Steve's place. I've got uh, my good friend Josh Collins here from Australia with me. And I've got Rebecca Lester, all previous podcast hosts, uh, podcast guests. Um the second time around, there was, there was things that definitely stuck with me after I met you the first time, and I, I noticed that. And one of the things that really stood out from our first conversation was, was some of the initial realizations that, that you had after you first moved out here. And I had them as well, was, was how much wastage we actually, how much wastage of, of food, of water, of, of electricity that goes on in these bigger cities. And when you come out and go off-grid, you realize how little we actually need to, to live a, a sufficient lifestyle. What were the biggest realizations you had in those initial, uh, initial days or weeks or months going off grid and leaving the city? Um, it's probably the, again, like you were saying, the um, speed of which you can actually build a suitable house. It goes pretty quick when you're dealing with uh, micro homes or a micro cabin. If you don't have a crazy amount of, of plumbing to put in, you don't have to string wires. It's a, a very basic build it, insulate it, cap it, finish mm. it. And again, I try to explain to people that micro living doesn't mean that you have to um, lower your caliber of living. It actually goes up. You can get finer interior finishings for your micro cabin don't need much of it you can even get ends of stock from kijiji or these these online retailers that are basically giving things away and you can finish a space with it mm. it doesn't require a lot of materials so that was uh one of the first things that i realized it was very quick <laughs> um and again the other thing too is when you're doing it yourself you can do it leisurely as well you can stop and sort of enjoy the day. Mm. Mm. Like, how long did it take you to build to build your cabin? First of all, 
Well, it was about three years in total. Indy's just uh, spotted an animal, do you reckon? On, on guard, yeah. On I guard. think it's something that she sees there. Anyhow, <laughs> we're fine. <laughs> good. Um, sorry, the question again was? Um, just the key, the key realizations you had in those initial you know, days, right. weeks, months. Um, it, was, it, it was the simplistic nature of, again, the having to stop to make sure that I have enough wood to make a fire, to cook my food um, after the day when I simply want to um, clean myself. I have a solar shower, which means I have to plan a little bit ahead. I have to make sure that I put my, my solar bag out filled in the morning. And again, you have to pump the water by hand, which you, you know very well. Yeah. And Jordan, Jordan came and tried <laughs> uh, pumping some water and did a great job. Yeah. So blew me away. It's uh, three hundred foot down, mate. You dug. I had a company. I had a special company um, come in, but it was a specific requirement that uh, I wanted the well of of, of very very um, specific depth. Mm. So um, just the way that I know that we are sitting on a, a humongous uh, sand bed or a sand vein. And also the aquifer that uh, we are on um, is renowned. We have a lot of springs on the property, which means our, our water pressure sits very high to the surface. So the amount of water that I have in that casing is yeah, it's phenomenal. It's, it's, it's great. So cool. And again, for, for being able to, yeah. well, when you want to have gardens and livestock, it's something where you want to make sure that water being the, the main resource. Mm. You don't want to run out of that. So it was just one of those things where, again, money has to be put into some things, and it was those things that I decided to spend a little bit of extra money on. And, again, it's just one of those forward-thinking things. Mm -hmm. So back to the realizations again was preparing preparing food takes a little bit longer because there's more involved. I mean, most people can go and just flip a switch, and their oven comes on. They put whatever in at a preset temperature. I mean, as you saw, um, all of our cooking over the fire these last mm. couple of days. There's no, there's no thermostatic control. It's basically find the areas of yeah, the cold yeah. that are good, and <laughs> so it's learning those skills and understanding that uh, replanning, understanding that things are going to take a little bit longer, and trying to fit that into your day while you're trying to again build your build your own sustainable mm. future. Mm. It's it's powerful. Like that extra step of planning that's required when you're out here alone uh, without a lot of the things that we take for granted. I just, I found that to be a very, a very interesting thought because the simple act of thinking something and, and planning and pontificating something uh, is something so little people do at home. We don't plan enough things out. So, like that's a cool realization to have to well, realize. Again, I think yeah. that that's because we're very, and this is again where it was one of those things that I realized that mm. I myself, I was losing time for thinking about important things because I was busy doing urgent things. It was always fighting fires. And that's where, again, it's sort of like the, the trade-off of people think that the security blanket of what society and the, these close amenities provide them is actually creating them more stress. The more choices you have, the more distractions you have, the less time you have. Unless you're very good at multitasking and having, you know, 
multiple, you know, multiple compartments mm. of your brain running simultaneously, which most people, again, they don't do that. They don't have that skill. Yeah. And this is where, again, it's something where we, we lose ourselves because we're hustle and bustle. And then the, the day comes to the end and you're exhausted because you were busy doing somebody else's shit. Mm. And when you should be, now it's your time, but you're now exhausted. You don't want to put time into mind feed. Mm. The books, the books that you read, the quotes that you know, these things take time to put in. You have to fit that into your day somewhere. Mm. And people, they busy themselves to death. Yeah, there was an, there was an interesting statistic or st- was it a study? I think they did. and. They found, did you say it was the Kellogg study? Was that oh, one? the Kellogg's Corporation. I found that super yes. interesting. Do you mind sharing that with us? Yeah, it was yeah. Uh, one of the books that I was reading. I wish yeah. that I could uh, uh, give reference to it. I can, uh, I can get it for yeah, you. Yeah, I'll, I'll link it up. Uh, the gist of it is the uh, Kellogg's Corporation, I believe in the 70s, wanted um, to try to increase um, the production or, or productivity of their, of their corporation. So they did a study um, to see if they could, if they can increase a worker's happiness, they believe the worker will be more productive. So what they started to do was play with numbers of how many days off, like giving the employees more days off is going to make the employee happier. So when they come to work, they're going to be more productive. Mm. But the funny thing is, is they found that the more time they gave employees off, the employees became more unhappy when they came to work. And the result <laughs> of the study was that as an employee or a person has time, they start to do things called hobbies and they find enjoyment in life. So then when they go back to work, it's like, it's they don't like, want to be there. They don't want to be there. It's yeah. like the, it's, it's like a, a, a Monday times 10 because they had more time off, more time to get engrossed in something. Mm. And now they got to rip themselves away for it and go to this dreaded job. Yeah. So I believe the magic number that Kellogg's came up with was 42 hours a week would be enough to keep an employee um, disengaged and would not give them enough time to find a passion or a hobby mm-hmm. therefore their job and again life, when yeah. you when you listen to the radio stations their entire morning um, broadcast is all based on making workers feel good about going to work it's all based <laughs> on all right guys it's monday we got five days to go and they wednesday home day halfway to the yeah, week man <laughs> they make you feel good about going to work and everything is about going to work yeah so I mean, that was powerful because I, I was thinking about that as well when I was at, at my previous corporate job. Uh, and when I first started as a, as a graduate, obviously the workload's a lot less as a graduate. So obviously as you work your way up the corporate ladder, um, more hours in a work week, more expectations of, of, of your work. And I, and I was working as a grad, so I, had, I, didn't, I definitely didn't have my 42-hour work week yet, but I, I was on my way there. And having that extra spare time, like I wouldn't walk out of the office at five without fail. And I'd go home and work on the things that I was passionate about, curiosities, play sport, whatever it was. Uh, and I found that was actually fueling my workday. So I made sure that every single morning I made time to meditate, to journal, to do yoga, uh, to eat healthy foods, plan out my lunches. I made sure Did that you I- write it down? Is this an again, like is something again where the anybody listening, I'm telling you, 
you probably know the power of just write it down, manifest it. Correct. Yeah, I did. I journaled every morning, wrote my goals yeah. down, wrote my intentions. I can't wait to go back and look at those journals to see. <laughs> I've, I've got them all ticked <laughs> off. Yeah. Um, but it, it was that act of like using those spare hours that I didn't yet have to fully invest into my work day um, to then re reinvest them into the areas of my life where I was passionate, I was curious. Um, and as, as those passions and curiosities grew, uh, obviously the, the time came when I knew I was ready to, to leave the corporate job when I was just getting to the point where they were asking me to stay back and work more hours, take on new responsibilities, which would have kept me at my work until six, seven o'clock at night, which would have required me to be at my job earlier in the morning. And I'm seeing it happen now to people who are still in these corporate jobs. They get home and they're too tired to to work on the things they care about. They're too tired to go to the gym. They just want to crash and watch TV because they feel like they've had a long day at work. So that study, I think that's that's powerful. Uh, and for you to, to realize that, to step away from that and be like, no, no, I'm, I'm in control of, of where my hours go. Uh, and it leads me back to the self-sufficiency thing. Like what, why do you think it's so important for people to, to take, take interest in being self-sufficient or just taking interest in planning out their day and making sure they actually do the things that they want first before doing someone else's to-do list. Well, again, I think, yeah. well, we, we had a, a conversation the other day where um, we were talking about discipline and we're very, very willing to let ourselves down. Remember the yeah, that conversation? Yeah. So again, yeah, like if, you, if you have um, the desire to work out every day, and it's just you, are you going to have the discipline to wake up and work out every day? Some days you'll probably say, nah, today doesn't feel right. So you basically let yourself down. But if you had a mate or a friend that you said that, hey, I'm meeting you at the gym at X and X o'clock, you will make, you'll gym. get your yeah. ass there. You, you won't let your friend down, but for some reason you'll let yourself down. So again, it's the psychology behind it. And that's the funny thing too about the, the, the workforce. Mm. Like this is something where um, I don't know many people who are excited to go to their job every day, yet they, they do it. And I don't know if it's something where, and this is where, I don't know if I just got something different than other people, mm. but it was, you have a choice. And this is where people say, no, I have this debt and I have that debt. And I'm like, yeah, I had debt too. But I had then or made the choice to make this my main focus. And again, intention, focus. What am I going to focus on? Back to our, what we were mm -hmm. saying before, you distracted fighting fires. How do you have time to focus on these important things when you're too busy doing the urgent things? So again, we'll bring that back. So we'll call that full circle there. <laughs> so sustainable living. Why is that a good idea? Well, first of all, I think it's a fucking responsibility. Mm. I mean, being um, dependent on somebody or something else, that's pretty freaking lazy. Mm. And again, if something goes bad, can you honestly blame somebody else? No, that's really your fault because you knew that this, I mean, again, we were talking about the power, the large power outage in 2003. Yes. That was a big eye-opener for me. For sure. I had no idea how much of my life depended on freaking juice coming in from that grid. Yeah, mate. Explain, explain to people back because I'm from Australia and I didn't, uh, oh, that didn't was know about that. So that was a big oh, power outage. Oh, that was a crazy time. Yeah, yeah, I know it was something where the, the whole um, 
eastern, northeastern part of the United States and all into um, parts of Canada, there was some problem at a switching station and actually just disrupted it in a massive wow. part of the grid. And it, it lasted, uh, some places was um, five hours up to, I think, three or four days. And people lost their shit. Yeah, yeah. They did, again, fridges thawing, traffic lights out, uh, computers down. The cell phone grid became overwhelmed mm. because people were making emergency phone calls. Mm. But there was some neat things that came with that as you did actually see humans banding together. People were out handing out bottles of water, giving people a place of refuge to come and stay. Mm -hmm. People were actually out. Pedestrians were out in the middle of the the intersections directing traffic because there wasn't enough cops to do it. Pedestrians were doing Mm -hmm. it. So it was kind of cool to see that we actually can get our shit together. Mm -hmm. We think that we we depend on all these services, but we do actually come together. But anyhow, that situation made me realize that... uh, we depend a lot on on a certain these, this infrastructure, which is flawed. I'm telling you, man, it's an old infrastructure. Mm. Whether it's the hydro or the logistics transportation chain, people have very little idea what little it would take to disrupt our supply chain. The 2008 credit crisis that fucked shit up. Yeah. If you don't have money to pay the bill, a truck isn't going to deliver goods. And that's basically what was happening is money froze up. People didn't realize how big it was. Nobody lent anymore. People work on, on credit. And the banks weren't giving any more credit. So companies couldn't, couldn't ship food that goes to our grocery stores. They didn't get it. Mm. So things like that is we, it is our responsibility to have somewhat of, of a knowledge of how to have the basic understanding of not just the basic requirements, food, shelter, heat, water, camping, basically. Mm. If, if you go camping, yeah. you know, you know the, the, the beauty of just keeping it simple and you got the bases covered. But again, it takes a little bit longer, building the fire, setting up the tent, sure you're warm if it rains again those are the things you want your shelter you want your overhead basic Mm. amenities and people are dependent on debt credit they're a paycheck away from bankruptcy they don't they don't own much Mm. everything is in hawk um they don't know how to garden they don't know how to to raise their own food so again if there's a problem in the system People wouldn't know how to cope very well. And that concerned me too, especially being stuck in a city center during a, a, a crisis. Mm. So there was a lot of reasons to just sort of think of, think of a different solution. Yeah, it got me thinking as well. It's like how, like, how dependent I am on these, these basic things like tap running with water, food in the fridge. Mm-hmm. Being able to buy food from supermarkets. And then it got me thinking, like, the power outage was out for four days. I think there's only a couple more days left until, yeah, shit starts getting serious. And then That's right. And then it got me thinking how many people could keep themselves alive in, in that scenario. And I, I could put my hand up and say I'm not, I'm not one of them, <laughs> um, which is what inspired me by what you did. Because I think, man, people, if shit went south, you'd be, a lot of people would be coming out here to be around you. Well, again, it's it's... Well, 
definitely. Yeah. Um, but it's something where I think that, uh, like you said before, it's, um, it's interesting to see how people they just they they keep on going without asking that question or thinking about sort of what is my impact and you're talking about you know the even the I felt guilty after a while when I would turn a tap on mm. or flip a switch because I knew I knew where again like what it takes yeah what it takes to take a a, a barrel of oil out of the ground what it takes to sort of um, clean and filter and pump water um, to city centers, I mean, again, even the chemicals now in this in mm. our water system mm. is crazy to think that people just turn a tap and they bathe in it, they cook their food in it. So just again, yeah. there was just a multitude of reasons why I thought, not just for uh, like a safety sakes or prepping, but that again, minimize your carbon footprint. The environmental impact is also another another oh it's big crazy thing. yeah but also too the benefit of the a new connection pulling or disconnecting the umbilical cord from society gives you a phenomenal uh, feeling of independence and freedom mm. and that too is something where I think a lot of people don't get the satisfaction from working a job they come home and they feel no true satisfaction because they didn't they, they did nothing tangible mm. at the end of the day it was just sort of a cog a cog in the wheel, in the wheel. and yeah. i think that that diminishes our ability to be happy mm. being connected to nature again you know the saying uh when i don't have wi-fi i feel more connected yeah and that's exactly what it is and people and again that. people will yeah. freak out the idea of not having connection to wi-fi already like the way that when you forget your cell phone you're driving down the street and you realized you left your cell phone at home it was like the feeling of losing your wallet you get this panic inside and your heart starts fucking beating faster it's a cell phone man we we lived a long time in the past without them like we can make it a day we can do it a day (laughs) uh yeah and i like that i like the thinking around that uh because I realized it straight away when I came out here and I, and I put the phone away and I put all these, the technologies away and the, the reliance on so many things and came back out to nature and I, and I got that feeling again. Um, and I must admit, that's been one of the things I've struggled with a lot, moving out to a big city like Toronto, uh, coming from a smaller town in Perth or a city in Perth where I kind of had nature kind of very close at all times. I could go to the beach 15 minutes away. You know, I could go out and escape the city. It was a very small city. We had just just over a million people. Toronto's close to five million. It's very. It was very different. It was a big step up to be in a busy did city. You, did you feel like you're 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 surrounded by more people, but you're kind of a, you're yes. a little bit more lonely? Correct. There's that yeah. weird. Correct. Wow, there's so many people around <laughs> me, but I don't feel connected. <laughs> uh, and I mean, it ties back into the next question I'm going to ask because. The lifestyle was very different in a bit in a busier city, and yes, there was more people around, but I I was struggling with with this sort of connection that I have being out here, being in nature, and I want to get your opinion on how how do people who maybe live in big cities, busy cities like Toronto or Sydney, where Josh is from, 
how do they how do they get this? How, how do we if they can't necessarily uh, go off grid for a weekend or a week? Um, what what type of things do you suggest that we can integrate into city living to replicate this this sort of effect that we're getting now? Well, I did I did urban farming for a while. That was kind of fun, yeah. uh, and they're becoming a little bit more uh, relaxed on the regulations of having some chickens in your backyard. But again. A lot of people live in apartments or, or pads, which again, there's container gardening. If you have a balcony, you can start with just planting a few plants. A tomato plant in a container on your balcony is still a beautiful thing. Sure, sure. Makes, makes a sandwich, <laughs> makes a sandwich taste pretty yummy. Um, but uh, to try to get a little bit more connection to nature, uh, people have to realize, like especially Ontario, uh, our backyard is with the the amount of things that there are to do in Ontario, the the national parks or the the provincial parks that we have, um, are beautiful, and there's so much crown land that you can that you can go to, um, so it's out there. It's really out there. I think that again, it just it depends on the person's desire or their choices. Do they want to go and find it? You don't have to go and travel to you know, a, a tropical location to, to sort of get away from things. Again, our backyard has uh, a ton of things to do and see. We have the most amount of lakes. We have um, trails and the kayaking and, and rapids and rock climbing. There's biking. There's, it, it goes on and on and on. But again, it's, do people have time for it? If they're desiring it, and they're they're make, they'll make time. Yeah. They're, again, there's a there's a booking Costco, one thousand and one things to do in Ontario. Really? Absolutely, man. That doesn't it. surprise me. I mean, one thousand and one, yeah. and they're all they're not chintzy little things. They're really really cool places that again people have no idea how neat their own backyard is. But I guess it just requires the desire or the curiosity to go and explore it. Exactly. I really like that answer, Steve, because you no, know, it doesn't matter where you live. There's always opportunities to go out and explore. And, and if the desire is there to reconnect with nature, then you'll find a way. And there's, Ontario is one of the, I've realized there is so much to do and explore here. Absolutely. Um, and same as, yeah, same as, same as Sydney, same as anywhere else. So if the desire is there, then people. Have people you ever heard of uh rail, rail riding before? No, I th- you might there's have touched the, on it last time. But. There's decommissioned um, rail lines where they don't run trains on them anymore. No way. But the tracks still exist. And these are in the most pristine oh, really? areas. So they design, like people make these cool do-it-yourself hybridized bikes where you put new wheels on that have like a, a, a wider um, steel thing that fits in the one track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it has a, a bar that comes out to the side with another wheel on it to the Ooh. lateral track. And it is so smooth because train tracks are basically on a flat plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're also away from all the roads. They're in the coolest forests. They're super silent. And people get these. You can actually get these uh, online, these um, maps of these decommissioned rail Bullshit, lines. really? No, I'm not joking. So people go out there and actually back, do this? Yeah, you can backpack it. You can even get the little trailers. You make a little trailer for it so you can pack supplies, sleeping bag, and you can camp along the way because there's like, think about the amount of train bridges that they have on these waterways that you can't get yeah. to by roads. 
but there's this cool decommissioned rail line and it's flat and easy to ride <laughs> man it's like mate that's yeah. that's cool yeah, yeah. I thought that was pretty fun i'd like to uh look into that <laughs> But there's one way. Add that to the list if you're looking for a way bucket to escape. List, yeah, for sure. That's bucket list stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you hear that train whistle coming, you're like, oh, oh. shit. <laughs> that lied to me. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, that's, that's a, it's a great answer. And if people want to do find connection with nature, then yeah, look up look up things like that. Airbnb was an, is another great thing that's really made made this more accessible to people. I mean, you... I couldn't believe it. Yeah, you've only just put this up on Airbnb in July. July 15th, I started. And, mate, I... I've uh, had a lot of really interesting conversations with a lot of really interesting people of different walks of life, different different gender, different um, ethnicity. And I'm telling you, man, the insightful shit that I've heard. And, again, maybe it's I'm lucky, like, because... Obviously, it takes a special person to, you know, see this micro cabin, <laughs> um, off grid, yeah, yeah. an, an Airbnb. <laughs> you get a few pictures, but I mean, again, you don't get the idea. Of, again, like <laughs> yeah. you said, you're pretty far back in the bush. Legit. So yeah. it takes a special person to sort of want to come out here, mm-hmm. and I think that that's what's given me the unique opportunity to again, like how we met. Mm. I just, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, I can't <laughs> believe it. It was amazing. Yeah. Well, so, synchronicities, you know, like. The, that's a part of it. You know, you're going to, the energy that you're putting out through it's this so, It's place, so funny. I yeah. was just going to say, well, that's, I mean, mm. what intrigued me about you is when mm. I heard what you do, mm. your, your vocation or occupation, mm. energy healing, and mm. what you do for Soul 7. This is something where, again, I was like, I couldn't believe it. Mm. And, and the funny thing, too, is a week earlier, while I was at the, I, I told love, you about the chip love, stand. Okay, no, I love so, this. All right, Please so, share this. Yeah. So I was at, a local little chip stand, yeah. a little chip wagon yeah. in a little cottagey just around the corner. And I was sitting there by myself, just eating my, my little French fries. And a, a van pulls up and I hear them talking and I'm like, it's Australian accent. <laughs> I'm like, so I'm listening and they're do, doing their thing. And it was um, a husband and wife, their uh, daughter who was 30 years old and their aunt and uncle who lived in that area, and they were here visiting their aunt and uncle. So they order their fries, and while they're or the um, adults are ordering their fries, <laughs> the, the girl comes over, name's Monica, and she sits down. She's like, well, I guess I'll just sit and talk to you. So she literally just comes over and literally sits down with this Australian <laughs> accent, and she's like, oh, I guess I'll just come and sit down and talk to you. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, so do you live around here? And I'm like, yeah, I live uh, sort of around the corner on a uh, on the Alsace, and I uh, I uh, live in a. And she's like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I'm kind of in a sustainable project right now. I'm I do some rentals on on Airbnb, but I live in a little micro off grid cabin. And she's like, you're joking. She's like, I'm traveling around Canada doing a documentary on alternative lifestyles. <laughs> And I was like, You're, so anyhow, oh, shit. Her, her parents yeah. come over and her aunt and uncle come over and they sit there and we start talking and they notice that I'm barefoot. And they start asking about, well, you know, do you ever wear shoes? And I'm like, no, as much as, or as little as possible. And uh, then they started saying, so do you know about grounding? I'm like, yeah, earthing, grounding. I'm yeah. like, yeah, I have a, I, I, and when I'm in the city, I actually sleep on a grounding blanket. So it's a special blanket that, yeah, filters out super cool. yeah, it's yeah. so so anyhow, then they start talking about um, 
the, the mother, she's very sensitive to EMF fields. So then she starts telling me about all of these um, remedies that she's doing to minimize the effects of EMF on her. And I'm losing my mind because the stuff that I'm studying, which again, you can't have a conversation with a hundred people. Not one would fucking know what you're talking about. <laughs> and here I am out in the middle of freaking nowhere at this chip wagon and we start talking about it. So we go on and on and on and they're so interested, so interesting in their inquisitive nature and what I learned from me sitting there having one little plate of fries. So as we're leaving, Monica goes to me, she's like, can I come check out your place? And I look at her mom and I'm like, are you like, you're going to let this happen? You're going to let your daughter just drive <laughs> off with a stranger that you meet us? So anyhow, she came and she checked the place out and it was something where, you know, she made, she made the notes and she was very mm. diligent about taking the information that was required and she was truly uh, learning about it. But it was just amazing on the synchronicity of, just a couple weeks earlier, I meet an Australian, and then I meet you, and then everybody is interested in these these energy, energy healing, energy mm. field, self-fegio frequencies. Again, that's not coincidence, man. So, I absolutely love that. I think that's the, oh, that's such a good example of of the power of that. It's like, again, it's it's I think the again our intentions put it out there. Mm -hmm. You know, and you'll find the others. Exactly. I, I, I was shocked as <laughs> shit. Like again, that. find from, the others from yeah. the from the people I met um, coming through with the the guests of Airbnb to the meeting the random stranger at this obscure spot in this freaking <laughs> remote location in Northern Ontario. Yeah, well, Who knew, right? Mate, I mean, Aussie, <laughs> us Aussies are a rare species out in this part of the world. Yes, and for you to come across two in the space of uh, a couple, couple of weeks. weeks uh yeah some <laughs> and again we're having same similar sort of conversations so uh shout out to monica if you're here if you, anyone knows who monica is clearly we're on a similar path so it'd be nice to meet her one day yeah good luck um, on her travel yeah. she's uh she converted her van she made it a little sleeping little sleeping thing Ooh. and again she even made up this cool <laughs> little sign that she put she says uh um um Sorry if my driving is bad or something like that. I'm, I'm from Australia. <laughs> yeah, like so, Other side of the road. But she, yeah. I know, but she also had some gracious or something, like something gratitude on it. Like, um, anyhow, I'm visiting. I, I love Canada. I'm visiting. Sorry about my driving or something <laughs> like that. But she, yeah, she, she uh, outfitted her, her little van with the little sleeping area and she, uh, left from here to go to Montreal because she wanted to try poutine in Montreal. <laughs> and then she was going to the east coast of Canada and then traveling the east coast, looping back around, then heading into, uh, I think it was South America. Yeah, damn. So good for her, man. For her, 30 yeah. years old, doing it by herself. Again, that takes kahunas. Definitely, yeah. I mean, she didn't use Airbnb. She went out and just met, spoke to someone on the side of the road. Which That's right takes another element of courage. Uh, yeah, and that's that's yeah. the funny thing too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so I guess going back to the the accessibility that things like Airbnb are now creating uh where there's this the ability to share information quicker and the ability to connect with find the others as you like to say, we're able to do that now on a, a lot more and accessible and, and it's just a lot faster. So there's the power I see social media is that power as well. I find it more personable. 
Personal. Yeah, well said. That was the word. Well, again, it's something mm. where internet has allowed um, people to connect for a long time. But again, if it's done through text or form, it's not face-to-face. I mean, again, it's something where I was always disappointed when we start taking away cashiers and replace them with these electronic automation things is we're, we're losing that face-to-face. Mm. Again, more than half the story is told by the physiology, and it's nice to even feel the energy of the person sitting beside you. You don't normally get that over the internet. Mm. So, yeah, well said. Yeah, and I and I I like the the opportunity now to be able to uh, put this this your energy out there to allow other people to then, if they want to come connect with you now, the Airbnb link will be there. Uh, sure, but and again, it's yeah, it, it's it's the that's sitting the beautiful I, thing, right? I think yeah. it's sitting yeah. around the fire. I think it's exactly. something where the environment can spur some pretty um, intriguing oh, conversation, and it's again. Sitting around the fire this week with you, I cannot tell you how many intriguing conversations I've mm. had, and that's where I think that the environment makes a difference. It mm. allows you to sort of loosen up, and Great. I mean, oh, look yeah. at how Josh was hitting the golf ball, right? <laughs> yeah. He was killing it. He yeah. was absolutely <laughs> killing it, man. He was in the yeah, zone. <laughs> it's true. It's the coherent state, the, the mind-body connection that we a lot of people, we speak about a lot at Soul7, but it's a lot, what a lot of people... Uh, miss when you when you when you're kind of disconnected from yourself and you come out to nature you get it naturally i think it's a it's one of those maslow hierarchy of needs i Mm. think it's something that is too low on a lot of people's Mm. lists i think that they have to reshift their priorities make the connection or the willingness to go out and spend a little bit of time you know sort of like the way that a relationship requires you to always make sure you have a date night to make sure that you don't Mm. lose that spark Kind of the same thing with the connection of nature. Totally. You always you want to have a, a date night with, with nature once in a while. Totally. So. And I mean, the, the spark can come in other ways. And I guess I've taught, uh, I guess I've implemented uh, habits which, which help me keep that spark that I, I, you can get from nature naturally or you can go out and meditate and, do, and you, you can't get the oh. same effect. So it's, it's in finding the habits that are going to keep, yeah, keep you in coherence, keep you in that state of flow. Um, Again, it's definitely a lot harder in a busy city, but I do believe if you're disciplined enough, you can implement habits, routines, and rituals around your day to ensure that you stay in this in this flow as much as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. So get a house plant too. That definitely helps. <laughs> get a house plant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I guess I guess we switch gears a little bit here, Steve. Yeah. I mean, um, I I like the the idea behind spending long periods of time uh, alone uh, with one's thoughts. A lot of people can't do it. Um, And there's something you brought up to me yesterday that there's a fundamental difference between being alone and lonely. And it was a realization that you had coming out of that, which I guess spurred this whole Airbnb and, and then attracting more people into your life who kind of think the similar way and feel the same. But explain how that came about. The, the different when you realize the difference between being alone and lonely. Yeah, that's uh, actually a good question. Um, it it was at the beginning. I was uh, <laughs> very motivated. I just had this. Yeah. I was excited. Actually, I was like giddy yeah. because I was finally um, acting on that thing that I always wanted to do. So. I'm telling you the first the first half six months to a year, I guess I was so blissful that um i I wasn't even 
aware. I mean, again, that's where I was just um, alone. And again, mm -hmm. I thought it was great because I love being able to think uninterrupted for long periods of time pontification or uh we used to call it in the old days philosophy but uh, <laughs> I like yeah i mean yeah and just sit and think right yeah. so um that's uh yeah i guess that that's where after a while and it was the being and doing cool things seeing the shooting stars how clear the stars are full moons the triumph of again um completing a project making making another little this or or yeah. doing that um you know even just the you know simple um going to the waterfalls mm -hmm. there's these days where i mean like today it's just it's perfect mm -hmm. and i've experienced it i just wish that i could sort of turn and say to somebody hey isn't that beautiful mm. and i think that that's kind of my realization that it's the connection that we have with people is important and that's where sort of um alone can turn to loneliness yeah. and it's that it is that mental thing and a lot of people have that ability to um you know if you're an introvert or whatever to be by yourself but over long periods of time i think that that's when you really start to appreciate whereas before you know you would be annoyed by some people around you but being away for such a long period of time i think that you really start to gain an appreciation for connection and connectivity but the other thing i realized is the selective nature of it because being connected to people who aren't like-minded is that we were talking before they're the, the energy vampires it's very very easy to you don't even have to be in conversation but for some reason you feel really drained after hanging around certain people yeah. so that you know who you hang out with and what you read choose them wisely mm -hmm. that saying comes to mind mm -hmm. um but the um being being alone very healthy yeah. we should spend more time alone with our thoughts a lot of people are afraid and they think it's not productive just sitting and thinking but it, again it helps to prioritize but if you start to then dwell on certain things again we were talking about the mind is powerful right yeah, yeah. if you don't control it it can sort of go it can go south really? and that's where it was something where i was realizing that i actually like being connected to people i am a social creature I just found that I was getting frustrated being around a cohort of individuals that didn't understand me, didn't understand my direction. And it's exhausting trying to talk to people about something different, especially if they have no desire to even want to understand what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So the idea of being out here and now realizing that I would like to be around like-minded people is again, where Airbnb was sort of like a, a good fit I mm. came I came from an environment where I, I did rentals before but it was sort of like a no no real personable relationship yeah, yeah um but now it's something where it's it's a more select 
group where I find that the people who come onto the property are kind of already pre-selected or they already have that beautiful conversation. I love that. Of, yeah. of again, you got to be a, spe- yeah, a certain yeah, type I mean, of person again, to the come person out. person who yeah. comes in and mentions, wow, that the trees are beautiful or listen to the wind. Those are the people that, again, I enjoy talking to. They will captivate me and I'll have good conversations because I don't know that, first of all, I'm not going to be the only one talking, which means I'm not learning shit. I'll be able to listen to them like Mm. the way that you and I have had many conversations and I'm learning a shit ton from a 20, how old are you? 20, 24, 24. So yeah, man, again, we learn, we can learn so much in a day. And again, it's, Take, that's why, again, biographies are beautiful, mm. right? You can mm. encapsulate 60 years of a person's life into a couple-hour read. That's a pretty cool way of extrapolating a phenomenal amount of in- information. Very true. Yeah. And there you go. It's, Very true. Yeah. I, I mean, th- I took a lot of things away from, from when you told me about that, the alone and lonely distinction and, and the realization that you had. And the, Another thing was... When you're in an environment where people don't understand you or you're in a workplace where people don't get who you are and, and like you said, the energy vampires come in and they start to put, eat away at you, you start to question whether you, am I am I the weird one here? Like, am I doing something wrong? Which at times, like I've, I felt like that mildly at times when I was at my corporate job and I was the one doing all these strange like meditation and self-connection exercises that, and no one else was doing that. I found that difficult. But for you, that's that's another level because you're talking about going off careers, self-sustained living. I don't come across many people that talk about those kind of things. And the distinction there that I took away was, which 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 is your your great example of this, is is being instead of telling, is is being the change you want to see, and not just telling people about it. It's where again I found that you you have very little merit. You're a hypocrite. Yeah. yeah. If I'm flipping the same switch and turning the same faucet that they are, who am I to say your carbon footprint is too big? Yeah, mate. Again, I tell you, it was a, it's like sort of like a, a no-brainer. Yeah. It's like the, you know, trying to teach a pig to sing. Yeah. Can't do it. It annoys the shit out of the pig. <laughs> it, was the same, it was the same thing for me. Like I took that this this path now where I was taking more interest in myself, gaining spirituality, talking about these uh, these these topics where I guess then I realized that I had a choice. I didn't have to be in this environment. You know, I could go and be live this change that I believe if I was an infinite being and I had uh, infinite access to love and abundance already within me, then I didn't need to work a job to earn a salary or work, climb a corporate ladder, chasing something that I already had. So that was a choice that I made to be, to be this change and move out here and take a different path. And by doing that, like you did, we're now attracting other people who be the same thing. We believe in the same thing. And I think that's, that's what's so beautiful about this this experience that we've shared and the people we've attracted. We've got Josh and Rebecca here are all people who we've met along this journey that we've had. Um, and they can, they're going to keep coming with Airbnb. They're going to keep coming to your, your place. Yeah, I find too, even with uh, you know all of the uh, contacts and resources that Rebecca has, I find that that's going to, again, open up so many different doors in itself. So 100%. Um, might take a quick coffee break, coffee break. and Love to. We'll re-adjourn in a, in a few moments. Fantastic. Come back to you soon. But, uh, so I, <clears throat> I don't have data on my phone. So I, twice a day I go to my neighbors. 
I walk to my neighbors who I look after his dogs and he allows me to uh, hijack his Wi-Fi <laughs> so I can set up arrangements because he uh, he goes down south as a firefighter. So there's a couple of days in a row mm. so I can just set up uh, a laptop in there and I can uh, I can Skype with you. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's uh, you heard it here first. Part cool. two with Steve Clemens is going to be incoming very soon. Um, so we're back, mate. Uh, I want to continue the conversation. Uh, and I have a few more topics I want to talk about with you um, until round two. Um, but again, I want to talk about um, the – one of the things that you said to me when you come out here was you talked about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And when you cover those base level needs, uh, first and foremost, you free, you free up a lot of uh, – time and energy to reconnect with with I call it like your uniqueness. Like what what is it that makes each of us unique? And and I asked you that question, I remember you and you said, think back to when you were a child. What was what was the things you did that you felt free and you just played well, and I don't, I don't Well it's you know, okay, to start it's yeah. it's the I find that why I have a, a pursuit or why I'm doing what I'm doing is because I have uh, a desire for um, information. Yeah. So it was something that I didn't realize that I liked in school. And this is sort of funny thing. I, I forget who the author is, but he says my my child was a genius until I sent him to school. Hmm. And it's something where I think that we lose that childhood um, passion, the joie de vivre, the simple nature of going out into nature just with a stick, and kind of losing yourself, wandering. You know, that's um, the first thing. Um, but it's, again, um, the time to sit and read a book, a lot of people don't have. If they do read a book, it's usually a book of, I'm not going to say of a, of a non-important nature, but I think that you spend a lot of time, uh, what I call mind feed, you're constantly on a pursuit to acquire more information because the more information you have you can basically come up with um more input more output basically mm. you know we were talking about that earlier mm. that's one thing where i found that i think that people have um found that a that if they are educated and they have some kind of a degree that they think that when they finish that school that learning stops and i think that that's sad and this is where again I like having a hobby and this is again like the Kellogg experiment. Yeah. The more time I had, the more things I got into to the point where I have so much shit going on, I don't have enough hours in the day. Mm. I wake up every day, I'm excited because when I sit and have my coffee, I make a list and my list ends up being pretty freaking big. <laughs> <laughs> so it's one of those things that, um, you know, and also when I came out here too, I found it important that uh, very first thing I did, I actually remember writing in my journal the the very first night I came up here, scared shitless, absolutely mm. scared shitless, man. I took this massive leap. Yeah. And I sat in this freaking dilapidated piece of shit <laughs> in my freaking, my little freaking lazy boy chair. And I start writing in my journal. And I'm, I'm like, all right, I'm here. Now what? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit, this is not going good. And I'm like sitting there looking at this first beginning yeah. sentence and I'm like, oh fuck. 
I'm like, all right, cool. You know what? I'm like, scrap the journal shit. I flipped the page <laughs> and I'm like, what? what's my purpose? And that's when I'm like, this is how I should be spending my time. Not fucking writing this, what my thoughts are right now. And I'm like, my thoughts are shit. They're like, look at this. I'm like, now what? So anyhow, flip the page. Now my purpose comes. I started writing. First thing, I wanted to read. I wanted to eke out enough time in my day to make sure that I, I can read. Very important to me. I wanted to master something. I love the idea of mastery of some something. I love shooting a bow. I don't like shooting things. I just love shooting a bow. Yeah. So it's something that I wrote down. I want to master a bow. I want to, I want to basically wake up and shoot 100 arrows a day. Another thing, chess. I love playing chess. I have this stupid little computer chess board that I had since I was a camp counselor. And I would teach the kids to play chess. But I would also have the ability to have this computer challenge me. I was like, I couldn't beat it. I couldn't beat it, and it bugged me. So that was that was something where I uh, I I made purpose. I made it important to come out here and and have this idea of sort of how I want to to strategize my day and make sure that I do the things that are important first. Like you were talking, you wake up in the morning and you hit the shit that's your stuff. I call it mind your own business, M-Y-O-B. But we don't, we don't mind our own business. We go and mind other people's businesses first. And then like we said, you got shit left when you, your gas tank is empty. How much effort are you truly going to put into your shit? Are you at 100% effort right now? Probably not. And this is, again, where you'll say, not tonight. This is where you fucking say, no, I'm too tired. And who did you jip? Yourself. Oh, it's back to it's back to the one of the things I've thought about is what I what I wanted people to take away from the content that I put out, the people who I'm who I'm sharing sharing this stuff with. And to me it comes back to purposeful action. Uh, you know, and and I'm inspired to take purpose purposeful action the minute I listen to you talk about these things because you can do this, and you don't need to go off grid to start doing that, writing down what your purpose is. Well you is. said it. I mean again it's that action thing and this is yeah. where again people they misconstrue information mm. and action are two totally different yeah. things. And again, like I said, you can have a phenomenal amount of information. You can research the shit out of something, mm. but if you're not acting on it and you're not putting it into action, what is it? Mm. And again, this is the beauty thing about the difference between information and doing. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom mm. is the answer to that. Mm. Wisdom is the, again, yeah. it's the understanding that putting information into practice, mm. taking that step. And again, like the, the journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step. And this is where, again, people don't take that first step. They'll actually research the shit out of something and they get this thing called analysis paralysis, where it now starts to become too overwhelming. Yeah. They look at the too, too big, too complex, yeah. and then they shut down. And they'll use that as an excuse. It's too hard. I, it is. And they'll think of a thousand reasons on why this should not be done instead of the reason why it should be done. Again, mind. Mind's taking over. Yeah, not our I, friend. Yeah, I, not I, our I, friend. <laughs> best friend or worst enemy. Yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, but one of the things I took away from that, again, about you when you first got here, instead of you flipped over and, and wrote, like, what is my purpose? 
And for a lot of people, they have to-do lists, like things to do in the day, but they don't have the to-be list. Going and picking up groceries yeah, exactly. and the, the dry cleaning and dropping meaning, the kids off at karate. Yeah. That, yeah. that is that is a list, and again, yep. it keeps you busy. It seems like, yep. again, like uh, we, we like to be busy. We like mm-hmm. to be, you know, um, doing things. But again, it's what are we doing? And what are the impacts of what we are doing? And again, both of those things. And again, it's two parts. Right. We don't even freaking start with the first, let alone get to the second. <laughs> so there's the there's the action for people if you're listening. Go write down your what's my purpose? What like what what impact do I want to leave on the world? Where do I? What what things do I want to do to start to shape the person I want to be or be? And again, just yeah. it's I find too. It's you know I. <laughs> I've implemented a lot of different diet strategies in in my life or a lot of different lifestyle changes. And I find the simpler you can keep it and start slow. It's those baby steps Mm. because again, if you make it too complex and too overwhelming, it, we don't stick with it. Mm -hmm. Anthony Robbins will tell you that. I mean, it's something where you can go to a motivational speaking course and you're all charged up for freaking 16 hours, but you wake up the next day and you do shit with that information. And again, that's where it is. Manifest it, write it down. That's a very, very good way to start and put mm-hmm. it somewhere where you see it. And if you keep yeah. it simple, as simple as like, I want to wake up and I want to do 10 push-ups. Yeah. Guess what? You didn't do that yesterday. Mm-hmm. Today is a way better day then. <laughs> and if you can keep that consistency, then you add something else. You add something keep else building. now. Again, you yeah. keep building up yeah. to it. And it's something where, um, you know, like the saying inside on the cabin that, um, excellence, it's not an act. It's a habit. We are what we repeatedly do. So again, mm-hmm. we can have good habits and we can have bad habits. But if we focus on slowly implementing a good habit every day, every week, again, something small, whether it's just sit, read a book, play a quick game of chess, shoot a couple of arrows, mm-hmm. do 10 push-ups, go and help help somebody like shit that's something too where people are so self-absorbed that they don't even have the time now to give back Mm. that's important man we're raising our kids in a society where that that's community service help a freaking neighbor Mm. no not important like one thing I was I noticed while coming out here was the the people you live around in this area Mate, they come out and help you. Oh, the community is amazing. Absolutely. Everybody waves. Everybody waves when you drive down the street. It's, you know, I'm lucky. It's the the grocery store that I uh, go to once in a while actually has a spot still where you can tie your horse up. (laughs) In the parking lot, there's a spot. You ever seen one? Oh, my gosh, all the time. Oh, there's, yeah, there's a large Amish and Mennonite community up here where at the grocery store parking lot, there's horse and buggy. They have, yeah, they go in there in the grocery stores and they're in their Mennonite gear and stuff. Again, just the kindest, most loveliest people. And they're, they're the ones, they're the craftsmen up here too. If you ever want something built really quality, they're the ones. Absolutely, man. Yeah. And and you also, uh, volunteer to help out at neighbors properties who want to need help building all the time all the time yeah yeah yeah. from uh clearing clearing snow you know there's some elderly people in the area Mm. and they've lost um their loved ones and 
and they're just sort of at that point where it's a little bit hard to manage. But then the neighbors, they rallied together. Firefighter that I look at after his dogs, he has a snow plow in the front, and he just goes right down his driveway and then goes right across and plows the lady's driveway Beautiful. across the street. So yeah. it's stuff like that. I mean, when I moved here, within a week of me being here, I had like jars of preserves i had pies invites to dinner it was crazy i'm like where did i move to man i'm like i thought that i had no neighbors <laughs> what when did that service element come in was it, did that something that come very naturally to you to to selfless service if someone needs help it's straight away no questions asked you're, you're, oh uh, no yes yeah. that's something where uh I, I don't know. To me, that's, I guess, back to Maslow's hierarchy mm. of needs. I think that one of my, I find a, a, a massive amount of satisfaction in helping others to the point where I like being a superhero. Mm. I'll give endlessly to come in and save the day. I just like having that, you know, just sort of like that. Cool, man. Um, yeah. You don't, you don't, it's called, have you ever heard of a, the difference between a, a private victory and a public victory? No. Oh, this is beautiful. Again, yeah. this is something where you want to see somebody who truly loves nature. Walk down the street with them. There's a piece of garbage on the ground, and they pick it up. You now have to wonder, did they pick it up because you were there to witness it? And if they were by themselves, would they have picked it up with nobody around to see? And that's yeah. where people don't operate in the same and the same again. Mm. When they think they're alone and nobody is walking, will they actually stop and pick that up? That's called a private victory. You don't need any acknowledgement or anybody around to give you that props and kudos, man, that mm -hmm. pat on the back. Mm -hmm. Just coming and doing that selfless act mm -hmm. without any kind of acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. To me, that's what it's all about. And that shit too, that's karma. Mm -hmm. That's the shit that carries on. Not doing an act because you're going to get props yeah. for it. So, but that's oh, me. Man. Yeah, I love that. And again, it goes, it doesn't require money for that. You don't need to. Oh, that's to money freak, to, man. Yeah. Talking about a, yeah. s a simple freaking high. Yeah. yeah. That is a very, very simple way to feel good. Who can I serve today? Yeah. Beautiful, man. I, I like Well, that. again, isn't that, there's like a, a movie like the Pass It Forward or something yeah, like it that. Forward type it, thing. Pay yeah. It Forward. That's yeah. it. When I remember being um, in, a, in a restaurant. And I was sitting there um, having dinner with um, Jill and Nate. Mm -hmm. And we get up and go and pay. And the lady at the cash is like, uh, no, you don't have to pay. I'm like, what? She's mm -hmm. like, oh, the gentleman that just left um, paid your bill. And I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, he said that uh, he was sitting behind you in the booth and said that he just loved, he loved the conversations that we were having. And he said that we were we were engaged, and it was something that he really enjoyed seeing, and he paid our bill. Yeah, that's cool. So that's the kind of thing, too. Again, like when I go to the gas pump and I pump 20 bucks, I'll put it at $19.99. Mm. I'll always leave a penny. Mm. Because there's always that prick that will put a penny over. They don't have pennies anymore. Oh, true. So now the gas station is out. Yeah. So I'll be that guy that will leave a penny. Cool, man. Simple, simple acts like that. Again, it's yeah. it's not big in the yeah. in the grand scheme of things. It's that we we called the drop in a bucket. Mm. Does it make a difference? Mm. 
Well, yeah, it does if it's a piece of if it's food coloring, right? Exactly. If it's a drop of food coloring, now all of a sudden it really I makes like a difference, one. and that's and I think it's the intention too. Mm-hmm. It's just the energy that you put out there now. I think it just makes it just it the universe it knows it. Yeah. It feels it. Yeah. You're black. You're back in the flow as you correct. You're, all, yeah. You're part again. You're in, you're increasing it. It's like mm-hmm. that bank account. Too many people are just withdraw. Mm-hmm. They need to deposit more in the emotional bank account in themselves and others. Like littering too, or somebody mm-hmm. has, it's funny, I was neat thing where somebody is driving down the road and they're eating a candy bar and they don't want to throw the wrapper in the car because they don't want to litter their area, so they'll throw it out the window, not realizing that that's still their area. Mm. They still have to live on this little fucking rock, <laughs> three from the sun. That's still their environment, yet yeah. they have no problem because it's not in their face. Yeah. They don't want to throw it there, but they'll throw it out there. Yeah. So that's the kind of thinking, too, where mm-hmm. people just have to change. 100% agree. Yeah, so you see it in the big cities as well. It's just people don't want to have it. Right? They think the impact's not going to impact them, but Correct. we are our environment. We are connected to nature. So. It's called, yeah, it's yeah. called don't, don't shit where you eat. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess... I guess I want to shift gear a little bit because it, it ties back in now to, I wanted to, to bring up Nate and after having a son and now being the change you wanted to see and having Nate grow up now where not everyone shares or especially lives this, this way of, of this way of life that you have. Uh, what challenges did you face when, when Nate was growing up and, Maybe you can touch on some of his his schooling and how you've chose to, to go about that. Yeah, there's, that's okay. Mm. So a couple of parts there. So the schooling, uh, again, it, uh, my previous partner, we decided to um, homeschool. Nate went to school for one year, junior kindergarten, and uh, not only did he voice that it wasn't right, we realized that it wasn't right. Um, we came up... Um, or agreed that we were going to do homeschooling. Mm. Um, homeschooling turned into um, a, a form called unschooling, mm. which is basically a, a less curriculum of, of educating where you observe kind of the, the passions of your child and then you then kind of give them the tools or allow them the ability to sort of embellish in that without distraction. Yeah. And just see see how far you can take that. Because that's where, again, I feel that you learn when you're truly interested in something. Don't have something crammed in your head that you're not ready for. I mean, again, that's going to be useless information. Or someone telling you to feel like you have that to. You, or that, you, yeah. that someone else thinks this is important. Yeah. So that was something just, and again, unschooling is observation. It's simple observation and understanding that it's more about me. I don't want my child to grow up to be me. I want them to have their own mm personality and it's going to come by allowing them to to develop again I, i'm here for supervision a keep them alive <laughs> once i'm done that it's basically small nudges mm. i don't want to have a leash i don't want to to have full control of direction all i need to do is if some sometimes going off course give that kind little nudge to make sure that stay on path yeah. and trust and trust that's again Parents don't trust the ability of our children's unique 
genius and we squash their genius because we impose all of our thoughts, ideas, rituals, everything, mm-hmm. beliefs, the beliefs, again, like it goes on and on and on and on. So the schooling was the one thing. And then how that translated into sort of my transition to up here, I have to say that <clears throat> it was interesting to hear, obviously, um, opposition from uh, close family members, um, which obviously you know that doing something as I wouldn't say radical as this, but definitely out of the norm, you're going to get some kind of a blowback. You're definitely going to get somebody saying what the F is going on. Right. And then obviously bringing a child into this environment too, especially under certain conditions. Um, you know, if there's anybody that works for child services, yeah, my child had a machete at age five. (laughs) And this was just something where we, under supervision trusted yeah. that this was a, a tool that was he was ready for it was something that to make him a a, a proficient woodsman mm. this is something that we had to trust mm. he needed this and it was the same thing as fire i mean again we trusted him with fire at an early age back to sort of how people perceive it again it's really none of my business what they think. It's something that I determined through my research and my understanding of the world that I live in. It was important, not only the, from, from his schooling and upbringing to him being up here for extended periods of time, not only allows him the ability to see a different world without him having to make a full commitment. And again, through observation, I truly believe that that's how you learn a lot and what he sees me doing up here i don't actually have to preach i don't have to say shit. he can actually just see and again even the simple byproduct of him being around when you and i or josh and i or beck and i when we talk it's the byproduct of he listens and let me tell you man kids freaking listen to mm. everything so i don't even have to be talking to him and he is automatically learning and he is getting a repetitive mantra of what is important just by simply being in the room observing what my acts are and again my acts of helping out neighbors he sees that he does that now himself he cuts the grass for all of the all of the old timers on the on the street he does not charge money Mm. it is an act of service it's an act of kindness the same way as his journal the only thing that we asked him to write was what makes him happy and what he is grateful for. That was the, that was it. That was him basically learning how to write. We got him to write a journal, and those were the only things we asked him to do. We didn't make it laborious. We didn't make it a pain in the ass. But let me tell you, man, if you read some of the things, kids, they love, they want to be compassionate. But again, we, we send them to places, places where this shit, this creativity, this this genius, this unique individuality. Yeah. And again, you ever heard the saying, I was born an original, I died a copy? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You're giving Nate the opportunity to explore his uniqueness and again, I I told him, I told him personally it would absolutely break my heart yeah. if he turned out like me. Yeah. I want him to turn out like him. Yeah. So but it's tough though as parents you know sometimes it's hard to not instill your beliefs mm. in them it's hard to sort of trust and say okay man 
go, you got this. Mm. And it's just, it's reassuring to think that when you can raise a child and, and be at this level of awareness and understanding that a, ch- a child is growing up around that level of energy. It upsets me when I see parents who, who, who are younger than, young, people who are younger than me have children and I can see that they're nowhere near ready on an emotional uh, level. Uh, they haven't sorted their own shit out first before they're having kids and and that's the worry. The kids are around these types of people, and it's not their fault. They just pick up on. Yep. And then they, they get they get stuck. They get they stuck, stuck with electronics as yeah. being their babysitter and their their tutor, yeah, yeah. and that's something where too I find it a joke. Like this is where I love the, um, the duality of mm-hmm. the different lives that Nate his ability to live down south and sort of be, have access to electronics and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But the way that he's so able to come up, and go weeks with zero electronics, zero Wi-Fi, zero connectivity. And it's something where it it warms my heart to see that this is something where he doesn't fuss about it, he doesn't ask about it, and he completely is able to just disconnect from that mm-hmm. without having any issues with it. And that, to me, is it's one of the things I wanted. I wanted to have him be able to just not need that for entertainment, to be able to just come and sort of unwind shift and shift into a different gear so that was that was really good for me and then also whatever path he chooses if he decides that he wants to live a a corporate or a social life and he wants to to have a house with a mortgage and and have a car with with debt and and have a job and work nine to five god bless him have at her if he's happy and he's having fun no problem but i wanted to give him an option. I wanted him to see how easy it is to live almost with nothing. Mm. So you are not a slave to a job and you can actually spend your day doing things, your passions. So I wanted to just have, yeah. I wanted to give him an option to see that this is possible. And again, how he, what he chooses, mm. time it's will a tell. beautiful balance, mate, that you've, you've, you've given him, which is yeah, quite special. Um, but again, it also reminded me back to like, um, shout out to my parents if they're listening. That they they gave me they gave me as much, as much freedom and and options as I could as a child growing up as well. So it's yeah, it makes me grateful. It, it, being out here around you has also made me grateful for a lot of the things that my parents instilled me because I I hear you echoing them around Nath and just through the way you the way you live. So that's cool. Um, yeah, gratitude all around. Um, so. I, Fortunately, I have to be mindful of time because we got to take off shortly. Yeah, um, so I'll keep keep the questions um, to a couple more. Yeah, sure. Um, Let's do it until we do a part two, which is coming. Um, so I guess the 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 key for me is is I want people to take action, and when people listen to to you or anyone else on the podcast, I want them to have some things that they can go away and implement. It's like, like going to a seminar with Tony Robbins. You leave inspired, but then sometimes there's, you know, analysis paralysis, too much information, and you don't know where to start. Um, so what's your, what's your actionable, purposeful actionable advice you'd leave to someone after they finish listening to this to begin to implement um, straight away, small or big, that you believe will? I think the small one, um, first of all is breathe mm. take a deep breath we pant we do not breathe deep anymore we're so we're so busy that we take very very 
shallow breaths, your meditation, you know that that it's all about the breathing, taking in, letting out. And with the breathing, you become more mindful. And I think that that's a really, really good way to start is something very, very easy to implement. Even now, just take a really big, deep breath in and just make you, you want to change. Everybody wants to change. That's how we're designed is we, we want to become better. So next is again, like you, it's, we, we were talking about it simple. Just make an action plan write it on paper and make a promise to yourself make a promise to yourself because again if it's something productive <laughs> what bad can come from it i mean again like you only have something to gain and this is what i'm saying is like if you're fed up if you're if you're frustrated if you're tired if you're not healthy it's that's you it's your choice and this is where i'm saying is it's a beautiful especially in in canada and australia i mean we are so freed we have so many options it just takes the right choice mm. so and if it means you have to get up 10 minutes earlier in the morning to write start writing a list start asking these kind of questions again fuck me just <laughs> if you think if you think about the atrocities yeah. and the hard lives that um, different generations and different civilizations have lived through. Again, this should be a cakewalk for us. But again, we've we've become somehow um, complacent. We've become um, uh, codependent. We have um, got the entitlement mentality. And this is stuff where we have to shake it off, folks. Mm -hmm. This is something where we have to take responsibility for ourselves and not use these stupid social memes as an excuse to not do something. Mm -hmm. Get that fucking calendar out that has the motivational sayings on it and actually fucking live each one. Mm -hmm. Read it and live it. Don't just read it and say, oh, cool, that's a neat one. I'm going to go and tell the workers at work around the water cooler and think I'm fucking some kind of a philosopher. Again, that's called a hypocrite or a soap a soapbox fucking, like, you don't. Preacher. Yeah, yeah, a preacher. Like, this is just something where, you know, mind your own business, focus on your shit, and if you become better, then the people around you become better too. Let me tell you that. That shit's infectious. It's the crab in the bucket. 100%. You know? 100%. They, they don't like to see people getting up yeah. and out. Mm. And they'll do everything, too, to pull you back yeah. down. But you got to make sure that you stay resistant to that and charge them. So, you know what, man? You can grab that fucking tip of the, the, the top of the bucket the same way I can. Exactly. And you know what? Let me give you a boost. Man, I love that. Let me give you a boost. Absolutely love that. Yeah. Great answer, Steve. Um, I can ask my final question. And... Uh, it's, it was a question that you asked me yesterday and I want to like reverse it back now and ask it on you because I feel like you have a, you have a, an amazing, uh, take for what I'm about to ask. I want, I want to know, you asked me what the meaning of life is. That's a difficult question. I want to ask you what, what's your meaning of life and how has that changed since you moved out here? Uh, before I moved out here yeah. and before I became sort of spiritual and I mm -hmm. was corporate, I would tell you the meaning of life is basically procreate and pass genetics on. Mm. You just want your gene to be out there in nature. Mm. You know, what people would call the Darwinian, the Darwinian theory. Mm. Um, 
after realizing my different connectivity and the way that I believe that I don't think that we're a, a big bang and this is just a, a random set of, of um, circumstance. I believe that there is some kind of a design and it's something where I think that human beings, we were talking about, A, the meaning of life to me would be a connectivity not only to your surroundings but to your tribe. A tribe is very important to have and that find the others and being able to have people understand you is one of the best supports out there and it empowers you to keep moving forward. And then the next is you want to avoid monotony. You do not want to do the same thing every single day. That sucks the life out of you. That is not, that is not living. That's mm. slowly dying. So experience to me is how you keep monotony at bay. Mm. Travel. Go into a different culture. Hey, back. <laughs> India. Scary. But enlightening. Mm. What a culture shock. But how absolutely monumental was that for you the way that it shaped you the words that you use and we were talking like you 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 talked with passion and animation as soon as that came up you infected me and that's where again meeting people who have not only experienced things themselves that they can instill in you and get you ramped up but again making sure that you take that action step to make sure that again we don't have to be rooted i think that we should be a little bit more nomadic and we should see the world that we live in i got a big ass map i got a little tiny cabin and i got a big ass map in there and i want to try <laughs> I love that. to yeah. pin a lot of pins on there and I taught a lot of great ideas on there is awesome, awesome ideas out there from from networking and doing uh, woofing and, and house trading and, and um, couch surfing. You can do so much and you can see so much of the world. And I've listened to TED Talks where there's a guy who went around the world. And the biggest thing I got from that was he was told by everybody where he was going to Iraq, Afghanistan, all of these places that are very, very scary. Don't go there. You'll get killed. He went. Nicest people ever. Time to move on. Where are you going? Oh, I'm going here. Don't go there. They'll kill you. This mindset was exactly the yeah. same no matter where you went around the world. Is you can't travel because you'll get killed. I don't know if that's freaking by design or what, man, but it's don't fall prey to that. Travel. Mm. Be smart, be safe, mm. but go out and experience because the meaning of life is that it's connection with like-minded people. And with connection is that thing where you can, you can legitimately problem solve. If we collectively get together mm. and we can truly pinpoint a problem, we know what the problem is right now. We've mm. talked about it. Mm -hmm. But getting people like this together who actually start having the same think and that mindset to solve problems. Don't talk about the problems. Talk about solving the problems. Don't bitch about the problems. Act on, and again, be that change. If you want to bitch about shit, like traffic jams, guess what? 
you're fucking sitting in there making it part of that problem, man. You're one of the fucking cars. <laughs> That's the funny joke. We bitch and complain, but we don't realize we are part of that yeah. problem. Yeah. So... That's the meaning of life, man. Just chill out, breathe, get connected with the people around you. And again, the stories we told about the the documents of of people in palliative care where they re, where they talk to the people who are on their deathbeds. Mm. It's all compiled information. If you go and read some of the the consistencies in that, I'll tell you one thing. Not a one said, I wish I worked more in my life. But every freaking one said, I wish I spent more time with loved ones, kids especially. The people that go off to work and miss their kids growing up, mm. that's sad. Exactly. Well, Steve, mate, it's, uh, it's, I can't express how grateful I am to share the connection with you and for a second time now and bring Rebecca and Josh um, through, through friends who get to connect with you as well and create that environment or that energy that we're able to speak openly about these things and now yeah thank you man again i i this this was my i did not expect this this was sort of like the last thing i thought would be happening was <laughs> a podcast done yeah, in the man. middle of the forest yeah well so thank you again I, if, well mate you said that the, when you when you experience something and you feel the passion about a certain topic or a way of living you vent you Vamp people up, you get people excited, and that's what you, that's what you do to me, mate. And I hope other people Ditto. listening no, feel, again, it's, like feel I the said, same it's, way. It's reciprocal, yeah. so. So, we're gonna we're gonna do a part two later down the line. I'm Fantastic. Hold my word to that. Mm-hmm. And another thing I want to keep our word to is we spoke last night about creating a a retreat style uh, event out out here where we collect like-minded people and host workshops and. and create an environment where we can facilitate yeah. stuff like this Absolutely. on a larger scale and i want to i want to speak about just just put put the words out there now to the world that we, let, let's make this happen because we've spoken about it now now it's time to take the action and, and put the baby steps into place so hopefully this time next year well this time next year we're going to try and make this happen yeah so uh if people want to keep keep up to date with that then they can follow follow me online uh, at state shifters you're not online, so I won't read out any no, of your I'm, social uh, media handles, but uh, I'll link up the Airbnb. And if people are in Toronto and want to escape the, the city for a while, they'll I will definitely make you. myself available contact information. Again, anybody who wants to participate is something where I think it would be, uh, it would be important. It would be nice. It's yeah. something where I realize that that's one of the, it's, it's important. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, man. Brother, thank you for being on the podcast. And thank you, brother. Me. Till next time. Thanks. There we have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, as always, if you took something away from this, uh, it'd really mean a lot to me if you were to share it with a friend or a family member. Um, but more importantly, just leave some feedback, leave a rating or review on iTunes. Um, that really goes a long way. Uh, so we look forward to seeing you again in the next episode. Bye for now.